Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cosy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, the new deal that will change streaming in this country forever. Why is everything Channel 10 touching turning to poo? And remembering Jeannie Little. Carlotta and Jeannie's daughter Katie share some classic tales you haven't heard before. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to another big edition of the TV Black Box podcast. I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight. We've got a bit of a mixed bag for you today. Mulkey's here. Hello, Mulkey. Hello, Rob. Thank you for escalating me to number one on the call sheet, the place I have long deserved. <laughs> one week only while Sarah Monaghan's away. You know she's our number one. Wow. <laughs> wow. Also joining us is Benjamin J. Norris on the tweets. Hello, Benjamin. I don't know or whether or not I care where I come uh, as long as I am allowed to be here. No, don't even look at me like that. You know what? <laughs> not what you said last week. Exactly. Oh, last week you were popping the streamers that you were number one. Yeah. It never lasts, does it, with you, McKnight? Everyone's always trying to get into your so good books. Fickle. <laughs> so fickle. A new yeah. favourite every week. And 100%. I have to say, I'm always pleased to have this fine young gentleman with us. It's Aaron Ryan. Aaron, where can we find you on the socials? Well, I'm at Aaron Perth. I must have got the first uh, Twitter account in Perth with Aaron. Aaron Perth. Nice and easy. Well, there you go. And Aaron is coming to us from Perth. We have a bit of everything covered today. We've got WA, we've got New South Wales, and we've got Victoria and Queensland covered. So we are your multi-state podcast coming to you each and every week. But there is a lot to talk about. And we start with me eating a bit of... Humble pie today. We've been following the story, of course, of Denise Drysdale's fall on the set of Holy Moly, which resulted in her hurting her back in several places. Now, look, as originally reported on TV Black Box, I was told from insiders at Channel 7 that the accident happened on a flat part of ground where Denise was chasing a golf buggy and playing Mm. up to the crowd. Now, look, it turns out that isn't what happened at all. After speaking to talent manager David Wilson, who has seen the footage and issued a strongly worded press release... I've got to say, he's seen the play-by-play, he's put his name to it, and I accept what he is saying. He tells me the fall happened during filming, not during a break. Denise tripped over a camouflaged hump underneath the AstroTurf, a designed game hazard. Get this, she also did not know that she would be hooked up to electrodes. That's a red flag for me. And her filming requirements started at 10.30pm and the incident occurred at 3.30. That part we knew. That has not been in dispute. Denise is now recovering at home with assistance from a close friend. Executives at Seven are not happy about Denise being put in such a situation, nor are they happy about the press it has 
it has received. And Eureka Productions, who make Holy Moly, will be covering all of Denise's medical costs, whether that's through insurance or whether they have to do it themselves. But I do have to own up here and say I got it wrong. I pride myself on delivering exclusive content. That is accurate. On this occasion, it wasn't. The TV Black Box website now has almost 400,000 unique visitors each month and over 1 million page views each month. We get those figures because those figures are driven by readers who trust our content. So when I get it wrong, I have to admit my mistakes and apologise. And I do that unreservedly. Now, look, I've spoken personally to both David and Denise. I've personally apologised to both of them and I thank them for their kindness and forgiveness. Oh, Mark, when you've got to eat humble pie, it's a little bit embarrassing. The, the important thing is, Rob, that, you know, in this situation, and I think in many that we've had to deal with, we're doing it. Like, yep. it's not, it's not, we're not, but, you know, it's not beneath us to apologise, admit that we got it wrong and, 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 you know, call out, hey, this was the stuff that we got wrong. This is the stuff. Look, it's horrible at the core of it that Denise got injured out of yes, it so, we always so badly. And, and as fun as uh, Holy Moly is as a program, I hope that there's the opportunity for them to learn from this so that while there does need to be those kind of moments of fun and craziness and, and whatever, that ultimately people are kept safe while they're trying to do those things. Can I just quickly jump in there and say my favourite thing about this story and, you know, I hope Denise is okay. I didn't know any inside information on this one um but what i would say is i love how much you didn't get the really good story with this and that is that denise was playing up against stephen bradbury who managed to win because denise fell over so stephen bradbury pulled up bradbury (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the well other podcast newspaper or anything like that any other media outlet would you get an apology for a mistake and then boom bang a second later an exclusive story well done (laughs) ben just when we've fallen down ben you're you're like we're in a war zone you've flung me over your shoulder, you've walked through the trenches and you delivered an exclusive. Mate, I thought we got out, but you pulled me back in. <laughs> but just so in case people don't know, and I feel like I just want to quickly spell this out. So Stephen Bradbury, you know, he is famous for the skaters falling over uh, in front of him and then him being able to win. So just in case, because I'm sure there's lots of people out there that may not necessarily know Stephen Bradbury's story. He was on Survivor last year uh, and that story got a little bit more press. So look... I don't think Channel 7 is going to mind this story coming out because it'll exist. We know it's true, but it'll exist like an urban legend promoting this show. And I think it's great promotion, you know, for the series. I think it's going to be a fun story. Well, it did do wonders for Channel 10 when I revealed that Bradbury was going on Celebrity Survivor or Survivor All-Stars. And so there was a lot of good publicity around that. So hopefully Channel 7 will get the same with Holy Moly. Well, in huge news for rugby fans, Stan will be the place to watch your favourite teams in 2021 as they launch their live streaming capability in a three-year deal with Nine. Stan Sport will bring the Super Rugby, Super W and Championship tournaments, including the Bledslow Cup, ad-free. This is huge, Aaron. This is the future of sports broadcasting, isn't it? Oh, for sure. I actually said on a previous podcast that I hope Channel 10 lose the rights. They need to just focus their money and resources on on prime time. It's just great. I think it's easy for for viewers. It's everything's in one place, Uh, all with Channel 9 and Stan's obviously a business of Channel 9. Easy, done, love it. Monk, it's interesting, isn't it, because... 
Look, to be honest, the rugby hasn't been rating on free-to-air, but Nine will have the options to take anything they want and air it on a multi-channel or on the main channel. But this is a new phase for uh, for Stan going into mm. live sport. Yeah, look, it, it's a part of Nine's sort of real MO at the moment. It, if they want it, it goes on everything. They need to be able to stream it, put it on a multi-channel, primary channel, put it anywhere that they need to do it. And I think that this move by Stan into a, a premium subscription, so I, as far as I understand it right now, I don't have all the details, it's not going to be a whole different subscription. You log into Stan and you have the ability to basically buy an add-on that gives you access um, to ad-free rugby in, in that context. Oh, so hang on. It's not part of your Stan subscription. I believe it is a premium edition. It did oh, say in the release okay. that it was a, pun- a bundle deal. It would be part of a bundle deal. So like Bolt said, it would probably be an extra add-on. I thought this was going to be a smart way to drive subscription. This is disappointing to me. I mean, not that I watch the rugby and everything like that, and maybe it'll go well for Stan doing it this way, but imagine if you had a streaming service that for your – how much is Stan? 14 bucks or something yeah, like give that? give or take, HD. Um, that you get this as part of that package. That's an extra benefit. That's an extra reason for people to sign up and stop a churn, the churn rate that we know exists. Yeah, the challenge is they just spent $100 million in Contra and cash to buy the rights for three years. So yeah, sure. it's it's a, it's a difficult thing to say. He have lots of it. Um, I understand the approach, and I think it's a model that they're going to try and use rugby to prove that it works. And you watch them become more competitive around the way that they deliver it. Even probably, I say completely hypothetically, around leveraging what happens at the next NRL deal, because I know mm. that it's a real problem for Nine that they don't get exclusive streaming rights to it because of the engagement that they that Telstra have had with the NRL previously. Um, and I think that this will be another reason why they can say, no, no, but look here, we can do this now. And yeah. when you then take into account that Foxtel through KO are really pushing all of their sports assets, Optus Sport are doing something, uh, and now Stan are trying to engage in the same way and delivering a Stan Sport uh, uh, into that market, um, I think it's really exciting and offers us, um, you know, people who are particularly rugby fans, some real service where 10 have not been delivering that to them. I think that's fair enough. And Ben, I've got to say, I do believe live is the next phase for streaming services. Yeah, 100%. And I think also doing things that are more local as well. I think that people in Australia are really craving our own content. I think we like to see ourselves being reflected on the screen. And I think we haven't really seen that being executed well enough uh, or really at all, to be honest with you, that caters to everyone. You know, like we have seen it in being dipped into with certain elements of maybe business and tech and, and arts and things like that. But I just think there's a huge space for it. Couldn't agree more. Now, as we turn to the ratings race, Nine, once again, was the number one primary channel with a 21.6% share, the number one network with a 30.6% share, and moved two points ahead of seven in the 2020 rating survey, having now won 19 weeks, as reported by Kevin Perry on the TV Black Box website. And the blog continues to pull audiences in excess of one million viewers. But the bad news continues for 10 as they finish at fourth place once again with a primary channel share of just 11.6 percent the spring racing carnival delivered a record low for the event at 1.862 million nationally that's down 26 percent from when seven last broadcast the event in 2018 and the poor performing bachelorette delivered a finale result down 42 percent from last year 
ABC's US election coverage performed well up against the state of origin on nine, but it's the Aussie cartoon Bluey that is pulling in the big figure on ABC Kids. And as for seven, Sunrise recorded another win for the Monday to Friday averages, beating out ABC News Breakfast and Today in their coverage of the election. And episode five of SAS Australia was the most watched program on streaming platforms, despite the ratings slowly declining. Malk, any surprises here for you? Look, a couple, honestly. Um, it, it was a huge a disappointment, I'm sure, for 10 to see the Bachelorette finale lose the time slot. Yeah. Like, that's not good business by any stretch. And it doesn't – you can't say, oh, but the block. I mean, the block got bounced because of State of Origin and it tapers across the week. The Wednesday slash Thursday episode is usually always the lowest rating of its run and for it to still beat the Bachelorette is horrific news. Mm. Um that Bluey is doing huge business. I think, look, the ABC have just gone from... Do you remember the time when they kind of... When Bananas in Pyjamas was like sort of people in, in suits doing a thing and yep. that was all quaint and stuff. And they went, oh, no, we can turn it into this animated thing. And people poo-pooed it and it became an international hit. Yes. Bluey is the second wave of this, a license to print money for Ludo Studios and the ABC. And God damn it, they deserve it because this is just... I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. The best. I have. Now, State of Origin was always going to be big. Yes. I was going to ask you about State of Origin, Mark. What happened? Uh, I think it's November, honestly. I think it's the fact that it got bounced to the end of the season. Uh, And when you think about it, it was in in Adelaide. A, it was in Adelaide. B, it kicked off and the sun was still up. Like, that's not State of Origin to start with. You know, normally it's dark and a bit cold and it's yes. probably rained and uh, it's in the middle of the season and, and over recent years we've spread it out. This is three distinct bang, bang, bang weeks. Um, and Queensland won. Amazing. So stoked about that. I, I think, honestly, the fact that it rated, I'll say so poorly, it's still going to be in the top five shows for the year, but that it rated so poorly compared to other origins is really the November factor. So no doubt Nine will be wanting it back as normal play next year and not I an end of year so. thing. Although, the, the, you know, like let's be honest, the networks usually start running out of content now. COVID's made it worse this year. The cupboards are bare. Mm. Is it a smart play by Nine to say, okay, we're not going to get the figures that we usually get for Origin, but it will ensure that we win the last few weeks of the ratings year? Oh, look, they've been sweating on this. There's no question. Um, that banking on the fact that these weeks would come in for them to help them win the year, and they mm. will. Off the back of, we, we saw at the NRL Grand Final, they won that week. State of Origin Game 1, they won that week. Two more to go, puts them over the top. 21 weeks, congratulations, Channel 9. So why not keep the momentum going and do this every year? Uh, because it, uh, in part, diminishing ratings, diminishing returns, the middle of the year is where it really bangs for them. And, and 9 don't struggle in their Q4. It's seven who struggle in their Q4. So that's why I think, you know, the, the fact that we talked a couple of episodes ago about the AFL grand final staying or moving permanently to a Saturday night grand final, mate, that's a fait accompli. That's that's what seven oh, need because yeah. yeah. a Saturday afternoon grand final doesn't help their primetime share where we count to make all this work. Now, and that reminds me, Rob, I need to just beg your indulgence on this. With the US election on this week, we have all shown that we cared about the result. Because yes. so many of us tuned into so many different services to watch, to find out who won, when it was announced, what the count was, all of those sorts of things, including, and unfortunately we don't really get a good picture on this, including tuning into CNN and MSNBC and all of the overseas news services, 
to kind of when to follow on and, and keep it up. What was really interesting is that this week, what became patently clear when we as the country want to know what's going on, we tune to the ABC. And we tuned mm. ABC Breakfast because that's where we turned Wednesday and Thursday morning. Now, there's a little slow sort of hiccup in this, and I want to just sort of run straight on this. I said that the ABC, ABC Breakfast, beat Sunrise on Wednesday morning. There is an asterisk on this. In Perth, their election coverage filled that seven to nine gap where ABC Breakfast normally would fit. And that accounted for about 31,000 viewers. If you take those 31,000 viewers out, Sunrise still won. I would say that. But you can't just eliminate viewers, those thirty-one thousand viewers because they're in that yeah, slot. But and I, I, I look. I agree, Rob. That's why I kept them in. However, I acknowledge it was a different show that aired in Perth. It wasn't ABC Breakfast. Look, just run with me on this, okay? So, yeah, I say they won it. I understand that. Um, you know, others, particularly Inside Seven, might say that they didn't. That's okay. We can move on with our life. Thursday morning, you cannot question that the ABC breakfast beat Sunrise again. Now, and this time it did it with ABC breakfast head-to-head against Sunrise in all of the time slots, acknowledging that ABC breakfast also has it on ABC News running live from the East Coast into Perth, so you have to add those numbers in. They won. Seven persisted with the notion that Sunrise has not lost because when you add in the regional figures... No! No! I, look, Absolutely Rob, not. I, I know that this is where no. you're going to go, and I agree. Where's my bloody Five bell? City Metro. Oh, look out. He's going to break the bell. Sorry, Seven, you can't move the goalposts. We all judge on Five Cap City. This bullshit of regional <laughs> figures just to appease yourself will not play on this court. Judge Rob has ruled you lost. Oh gosh! Well, I wish hey, this this was visual for yeah. people to see. <laughs> I really do. Look, oh. It's getting pretty full, but that's that's my point, Robbers. And what I wanted to point it out is that it, it wasn't theatrical. by much. It literally was less than ten thousand viewers that the ABC beat Sunrise on Thursday, but they beat them. A win is a win. And when you add in regional, they didn't lose by much. They didn't come second. No, by you much. can't. Well, then hang on. Let's add in every place the ABC News Breakfast goes. So it reaches more places than Sunrise, surely, because the ABC goes into places, uh, into Asia in remote places, doesn't it? Oh, so couldn't we say... Rob, that doesn't count because that's not either Five Cap City or regional. So, uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I've been making, like, really sure... And, and, and it sounds put, like, no, no, Bok, it sounds like Donald Trump. We'll only count these votes mm. that make us win. We're not counting the actual votes. Oh, that's right. I stopped winning when you counted more votes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's PR, the PR Jedis are hard at work spinning the numbers, and that is their job. God bless them. They work very hard in making sure that they slice and dice them to make it look like they've won whatever it is, however you do it, whenever you do it. Even down to the point, uh, I read one press release that said some show, this was the lowest ratings that this big show has ever had in this specific demographic at this time slot since 2001. So it was like, it wasn't just the headline screamed this, but the fine print when you read it was like, oh, but if you hold your leg in the air and face west and drink a you know, milk coffee at the same time. Well, that, you know what? Although that is the art of PR spin, oh, and I've sure. wanted the Biff to come back, so I actually don't mind the, the Biff coming back. Congratulations to the ABC Breakfast team. 
Absolutely, and a hats off, a job well done. They have been kicking ass and kicking goals, so well done. And you know what? Sunrise is still a bloody good show, and yes, they can still say... It doesn't diminish that Sunrise do a great job. It doesn't diminish And they've won every year job. for X amount of years, you know, like except that year when they didn't really win, but they, 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 they did play a Jedi mind trick. But you know what? That They are the spinners... Oh, they are the winning spinners because they can make a story believable, um, but not on my watch. Well, it's <laughs> well, it seems 10's new multi-channel 10 Shake is struggling to find its feet with a weekly average of just 0.4% and only topping NITV in the ratings. For the third time, they are flipping the schedule on its head. Drunk History has been pulled only two episodes shy of completing the season. The new series of Teen Mom has been held in favour of repeats of Total Wipeout UK and shows like Lip Sync Battle, Just to Two of Us and Drunk History US are being played out of order, some from years previous. Aaron, you broke this story. You are across this. What is going on? Is this a... Has this been a... Just a failure of a launch? It absolutely has been a failure of a launch. I want to say one thing first in defence of 10, sort of. They are playing this channel out on an MPEG-4, which is not available on a lot of televisions. Seven Flicks launched on MPEG-4 but realised, you know, they're missing potential viewers, so they switched to MPEG-2, which everyone you has. You can't defend that. That's just a bad decision, well, isn't it? Well, I'm, I'm just I'm defending possibly the low ratings. They do, they do need to switch to MPEG-2, but that's how it is. Um, look, so let's be real. It launched on the 27th of September, which is just six weeks, and that didn't work out for them, their first schedule, so they launched Schedule 2.0, and now after six weeks, they're launching Schedule 3.0. You know, even the Tosh.0 that they're screening late night, they've just taken that out with a couple of weeks to go, and now they're filling four nights a week with 2,002 episodes of South Park. Um as, I, as you mentioned, shows have been playing out of order. They're playing, you know, Teen Mum, for, for example. They're over in America. They're up to, uh, I think, season eight. Um, and yet Channel 10 have just finished playing season two. You know, these are Well, ten, ten yeah, I episodes. can forgive that if they've just launched the channel. But, Ben, let me ask you, have you ever turned on Chen, 10 Shake? No, but that's because I'm not a you know in their demographic. Like I'm 40, I'm not going to be watching those shows. They're like, but nobody's watching those shows. Ben. But this is the problem, though, is that they you've got to understand your market and television yes. for that age demographic is really hard at this time. Mm-hmm. And so what they've tried to do might have worked 20 years ago you know, capturing that age group. But that age group doesn't really watch television anymore. It's like, I won't say this person's name because it'll be mean, but there's someone who's trying to start their career coming off reality television and they're playing it as though it's television 40 years ago. Like they're trying to launch themselves as Patty Newton. It's like, no, mate, you can't launch yourself. Anyway, this person's name is Marissa. She was on Big Brother. Anyway, uh, you can't, you literally can't follow the schematics of how you launch a, a TV star from 40 years ago. It, people aren't going to buy it. So you've got to be able to understand your audience and understand that things have changed. You know, I'd love to be Jack from Will and Grace, but it was done 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like people got to start to work out how to attract an audience and playing a TV series that that demographic when they only download is a bad idea. Like if anyone loved Teen Mum watching one episode of season one on 10 Shake, 
They are just going to go and download it online. They're not going to wait until 10 or whoever cuts it up and serves it to them. Especially if they're playing them out of order and willy-nilly, which is what Aaron's saying. They're playing stuff all over the place. This traditional model isn't working. I think you raise a very good point, Ben. I usually don't, so I'm just going to say thank you and walk away. (laughs) You're doing the George Costanza. You're getting up and leaving the meeting room. (laughs) That's it. I'll take the promotion and I'm no longer on the podcast. Bye. Sorry. He like watching The Real Housewives and all that sort of thing. So do shows like The Charlotte Show and Team Mum, is that not your audience as well? I don't watch any of them, but I would have thought if you're someone that enjoys Real Housewives, is Tin Shape not actually aimed at you? Well, thank you for stereotyping me. I really appreciate it. Um, no, you stereotype yourself, Ben. Thank you very much. That's why I'm wearing a T-shirt that says I'm a stereotype. Please call me out. Um, but I will say, though, that I don't. I don't watch any of those shows. I watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and that's because I really like Lisa Rinna, uh, who no one would know unless they watched Melrose Place or buy things on an infomercial like a duster uh, for, for 50-year-old ladies. But uh, I... I'm, I don't watch all of the Housewives series. I only watch that one. So I'm I'm very fickle, you know, so you're not going to attract me by one series that is quite formulae and then I'm going to watch all the other spin-offs. Like a lot of people know that I watch Beverly Hills, so then they expect I watch everything across the Bravo platform and I certainly don't. So these days, viewers, the consumers are complicated. You can't use rinse and repeat programming. You just can't. Mm. Well, bonuses are always a touchy subject, especially at this time in the media when many are losing work, but it seems SBS haven't gotten the hint. It has been revealed in The Australian that one unnamed executive got a bonus of $113,000 and two more were rewarded an extra $83,000 each. In total, 33 more SBS staff averaged annual bonuses of between $21,000 and $27,000. I'm going to be controversial, Aaron, and say I don't have a problem with this. As someone who received a $100,000 bonus at the end of 2013, and that wasn't just a bonus, actually became my new wage, I was reward, rewarded for the new for the hard work that I was putting in. And I don't apologise for that. I was so pleased the network saw my worth and it made me loyal to the network until they sacked me, uh, but, <laughs> for being on too much money. Um, Literally but... <laughs> took 10 seconds to get from point A to point B then, didn't you? I appreciated it. I'm there for it. <laughs> but they really, what is wrong with paying people the right amount of money to keep them? If they are doing great work, shouldn't they be paid? Um, I'll be controversial too and say I absolutely agree with you. Um, yes! Absolutely. It happens in every other type of business with commissions and and all that sort of stuff. The the more work you do, the better sales that you make. You you get Mm -hmm. paid for that. And why not SBS? Go, Rob. Malky. It's outrageous, Rob. These are our tax dollars being wasted on uh, executives at a time when people are being sliced and diced, budgets are thinning, journalists are losing their jobs. Uh, I don't see how with any conscience. Of course it's fine. Of course it's fine. These people were employed under contracts that said, if you perform like this, we pay you this. Here are the incentive bonus structures to make you, to encourage you to do your job better. Job done. I was leading you into it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) But you thought I was going to fight you. (laughs) Yeah, I was hoping that you'd come at me. Um, No, no, I I agree entirely. I think that in, in, and, and this for mine is absolutely equivalent to the ABC staff voting to accept 
the pay increase that they took this year because oh, it was contractually built into their pay. Come mm. at me, McKnight. Oh, look, I've copped a lot of criticism over my stance on the ABC and I'm not 100% sure on what I think about it. I've heard some very valid arguments and the one you just said is very valid. The problem for the ABC is it is different to SBS in that it's um, SBS is part commercial, you know. Um, We were in a time of COVID where people specifically at the ABC were losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. My fear was that if the ABC are having to pay out more money as part of pay rises, that more people would lose their jobs. And so that's the way I looked at it. Um, And I, I hear the other arguments. I'm actually, it's not something I'm going to plant the flag in the ground and die and defend it to the ends of time. It just wasn't a great look and just gave the government another thing to have a go at the ABC about. And and the challenge is, and I'm, I'm being a prick to push it on you, uh, Rob, so I apologise. No, 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 I, I said it, so I'm happy to stand by it. You know. the, 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 and this is in part the challenge. We acknowledge that the SBS are partially funded by the government, partially funded by our taxes, but not mm. fully because they have the ability to run ads and, and gain money that way, uh, as well as some of the deals and the function, how they work. Um, all this does is give ammunition to the people who choose to, you know, come at the ABC, come at government-funded broadcasters, part or full, and say, but hang on, this is outrageous. You can't do that. Look at COVID. Look at all... Mind you, the same people generally, and I'm talking about within the media that come at these people, are the ones that sit back and stick their hand out and go, where's my performance bonus? And if they didn't get it, would scream blue bloody murder. Mm. So why is it not okay that SBS in this instance shouldn't follow through on their incentive bonuses that they offered before coronavirus with no knowledge coronavirus is coming? and expect their executives and their people to work to achieve them, and so therefore when they do, why should they not pay them? Absolutely. Ben, I'm going to give you the final say on this. Are you going with the group or do you have a dissenting voice? I'm just going to go with the dissension and I'm not going to give you a reason why. I just feel like someone needs to dissent. No, don't dissent because I wanted to ring the bell and say... I think it's the first topic ever where everyone's agreed. (laughs) I agree. I object. No, no, no. I think at the end of the day, I I wonder whether or not it's an issue about television or government funding or whether it's about the way in which we incentivise people in general. You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Look, we're going to end our news section on a sad note today with the passing of the founding executive producer of 60 Minutes, Gerald Stone. He was aged 87. News great Peter Meekin, who worked with Gerald Stone for many decades, spoke of his friend saying, and I quote, the program wouldn't have started without him, I suspect, or if it had started without him, it wouldn't have lasted. You know, it turns out I was actually the one to break the news to Meekin when I called him, and I can tell you there was a genuine sadness in his voice uh, I have to say, um, Malk, Gerald Stone, legend. You know, like uh, he changed the face of Australian television. He was the American that's changed Australian television. 60 Minutes is still going strong. You know, there's been a lot of people write the death knell about 60 Minutes. A lot of shows have come on and taken it on. It mm. has survived and thrived. The the. The stories have long been published, and I'm sure we'll hear more now, of what Gerald Stone went through to fight to make 60 Minutes this flagship current affairs program that brought us those first four very famous names, George Negus, Ian Leslie, Ray Martin and Jan Event. Um, 
to get those guys together on the, and he had to poach Ray Martin from the ABC, I think it was, if I remember correctly, yeah. um, to get him to come over to Nine to do this. Uh, talk about the, the beginning of a lovely relationship between Ray and mm. Channel Nine. And then there's also the stories that have come out about Gerald Stone having to very politely uh, have some heated discussions with Mr. Packer around budgets for 60 <laughs> minutes to make sure that they were basically given full reign to ask the questions, to be in the positions, to fly, to just get there, just to get the ticket on the well, plane. Well, remember to be there Mike Carton and his caviar, caviar lunches, oh. they uh, needed to be paid for somehow. Yeah, well, they, they weren't exactly Gerald Stone's responsibility, but in the <laughs> early days, yes, he fought very hard to make those things be a thing. Uh, and we, as a, as a, I think, honestly, as a nation, benefited from that effort because all of a sudden the world became both a little bit smaller but a whole lot bigger because we got to see and hear those stories with questions being asked by Australian voices that we trust. You know, Ben, it feels to me like we don't have those greats in the industry anymore. You know, like there is a breed of people um, like Peter Meekin, who Mm -hmm. during his lifetime, the industry has risen to its highest heights and now is falling away. And we don't have those characters. We don't have those people that you read about all the time in the industry anymore. I'm sad about it, absolutely. And this is a really big loss because this person created greatness. But that doesn't represent everyone. Like, we're also losing some really shit old people as well who are still backwards. So I feel like Mm -hmm. it's an important thing to say that, you know, as an LGBTI person, the more of these crazy old white people that dying are giving more opportunities for other voices to be able to emerge. And I know it's a bad time to highlight that when we talk about the success of someone like this, who is brilliant, but we can't, you know, I don't know. We, uh, ben, we have to, it's there like the seed a... that goes in and out. Like, you know, mm. we're going to have to lose people that are amazing, but we're also going to gain some really good things as well out of that. That's the life. Uh, you know. Look, I think you raise a really interesting point because there are still a lot of dinosaurs in the industry who have yeah. old school thinking, who aren't evolving. And the problem is because they're in the clubs, networks do the same mistakes. They make the same shitty shows because they don't evolve and they don't get new blood in. There is, you know, in this day and age, you could throw a rock down the street and hit someone who knows how to use Final Cut, produces their own content, and none of these people are ever going to get the chance in television because it is such a closed circuit of people and the moat is up, the barricades are there, they're fighting for their own existence and it's a tough game. And so this will accelerate the death of television. I think you've got some valid points there as well. I mean, you know, we are facing the death of television unless we evolve. There certainly is some really strange dinosaurs in place very high up in a lot of the networks at the moment who are are holding back and saying no to things, which I think is a big mistake. And those mistakes will continue to be made whilst old people with some old school traditional values are, you know, running the show. You know what I mean? I do. I just, and I just, I, I've heard someone from one of the networks say, look, I will never hire someone for a celebrity show if they've only been on one, you know, if they've only been on one show before. And it's like, no, if someone's good talent, then hire them. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. who they are. Like, and we need to start getting rid of one size fits all. We need to start looking at things differently. And I think a younger audience does that. I think the next generation will do that better. I couldn't agree more. Well, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches this week with Mulk. Buenos dias, Rob. 
Viacom CBS Networks International has announced that Jared Villani has been appointed as co-lead of Viacom CBS Australia and New Zealand, joining Beverly McGarvey with joint responsibility for commercial activities and operations in both markets. Matt James has been appointed Managing Director of Nine Melbourne, having recently returned from London where he was CEO of leading media agency network Zenith Media. And SBS has appointed David Hua as the new Director of Audio and Language Content, with more than 20 years' experience in the media industry. After months of speculation, Carols by Candlelight will be going ahead this year, although without a crowd. The full lineup for the night is yet to be announced and will come shortly. And someone has their slice of TV history as the Full House House. House? The House of the Full House House has been purchased for $5 million US dollars. Rob, if you could buy a TV house, which one would it be? Oh, that's a very good question, Mulk. Uh, probably. One of the dynasty houses, <laughs> so I'd have oh, wow. a mansion. Wow. Um, but can I just say, I have been to the Full House house, mm. and you are mad if you buy it because every <laughs> five minutes in San Francisco, someone is turning up to get their picture taken in front of it, including me and my girls. We pulled up in the car, we got out, we took some photos. They've had to put a gate up uh, to, and, and signs up saying, this is a private residence, please don't come up to the door. You know, like, it's like owning any iconic house. It has a bit of fun because you can say I own the full house house. But it's a pain in the ass too. There's attention seekers that would love that shit. Like, you know, there's people out there that would be like, I live in the full house house and everyone wants a photo. <laughs> I mean, that's my nightmare and that's mm. probably most people's nightmare. But there's people that are weird in this world. Unless uh, I'm completely misunderstanding though, those houses that go for millions of dollars because they're from shows, it's just the exterior that's actually the... Oh yeah, the inside's completely different. What? The inside is completely Are different. Are you going to say Nothing that the Cheers bar isn't exactly like it is on television? <laughs> but why, just joined why his would illusion. someone pay $5 million Hilarious. just to see the outside of it on the full house set? Aaron is going to have a Bex and a good lie down while he processes the idea that the exterior of houses are not the same as their sets in studios in Hollywood. And in the meantime, we'll take a quick break because when we come back, we're going to talk to Katie Little and Carlotta about the fabulous Jeannie Little and Ben is going to open the TV Black Bolt. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And Rob and Rob It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday. 
Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's the Ben, Rob and Rob, Ben, Rob and Rob, Ben, Rob and Rob, Show. Well, on Monday on the Ben, Rob and Robbo Show, we had the absolute delight of speaking to Jeannie Little's daughter, Katie and Carlotta, as they remembered the one and only Jeannie Little. Hello, everyone. Katie and Carlotta, thank you for being with us. (laughs) Katie, first of all, on behalf of the show, I really have to tell you how sorry we are for this massive loss and we're grateful that you can celebrate your mum on this show today. And, look, we are going to celebrate your mum. But before we do that, just tell me, was what happened on the weekend with her passing a bit of relief? She's been suffering from this for a long time. It's sad, of course... But uh, do you no, have some form of relief? No, it's not sad. It's not. I just, I'm honestly, I just think, God, what a relief, you know. It's, and poor mum's been living with Alzheimer's for ten over 10 years. And so, they, I mean, I'm still in shock, to be honest, because you kind of think in your head this is going to go on forever and ever. And I was not expecting the phone call. It really, really took me by surprise. So, so but now I'm kind of getting my head around. I'm thinking this is like celebrating mum's life, we can stop, you know, going through this horrible decade of depression and actually, you know, think, you know, mum's not fading like a star. She's going out like a supernova. So, <laughs> you know, crack open the best champagne and celebrate her. Well, I love that. I love that, Jeannie. Um, uh, sorry, Katie. Oh, my Everyone gosh, do you get that, that all the time? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, you are so much like your mum, um, but... I know you're saying I know you're saying it's a relief and everything like that, but when the diagnosis first happened and you were dealing with that, God, that must have been hard. It's it has been a journey, you know, as they say, uh, and you can't. It does put it in perspective when I look at my daughter and I think, gosh, you know, Mum was diagnosed when when Charlotte was sort of only about two years old, and now she's thirteen, a teenager. She's like taller than me, so that kind of puts it in perspective. The time <laughs> yeah. frame. So, Katie, when did you first notice that something wasn't quite quite right with your mum? I think that's the hardest bit is that, um, you know, after mum got diagnosed uh, and I didn't have any personal experience with Alzheimer's, so I had no idea what we were in for. And, and I think because of mum's, you know, ditzy, fun kind of habits of, you know, calling everyone dumb, you know, all the time and, and stuff like that. She'd come over to sort of help me because I was sort of, you know, holding a baby and pulling my hair out, well, with a toddler as well, no idea what I was doing and saying, here, put a nappy, you know, on the baby. And she'd come back and say, oh, is this how you do it? And the nappy would be on backwards and I'd be just thinking, oh, for heaven's sakes, I haven't slept in, you know, two and a half years. How can you not know how to put on a nappy? So, um, you know, but I didn't realise that there were some serious things going wrong at that point at all and the symptoms were so masked. You know, she was still, mum was still doing Beauty and the Beast at that point too and, you know, there was a few odd things and also performing live as well with her cabaret show. So after, you know, it all just came to a terrible it just really destroyed ripped our whole family apart it wasn't just dealing with the grief of losing mum it was this enormous sense of guilt that I hadn't been patient with her that I hadn't noticed any of these signs or anything and and that seems to be a really common thing that a lot of people who you know who's who's who are going through this with their own families it's it's just the most heart-wrenching illness it really is. 
Katie, I just want to say uh, I wish I wish that you could see my Facebook over the last two days because I cannot get over the LGBTI community support of your mother. I can't even begin to tell you. It, I saw more about your mum than I did about the election, and that just Yay! goes to show you the amazing, the amazing impact that she's had on the LGBTI community's life. Uh, was it fantastic to have these parents? I mean, your dad and your mother. Uh, you know, were they, how long were they together for? Oh, like forever. Like it's the most amazing. <laughs> story and honestly that's why I did sit down to write my book you know after mum was sick and we went through the absolute torturous hell of then mum went into care and and I've always been a writer always wanted to be and I thought I'm going to sit down and write a memoir about growing up as a child really because I wanted to get back into the headspace of remembering mum how she wanted to be remembered you know when when she was you know full of creative energy and unstoppable and wonderful and really like you know the story itself of growing up in this big tall terrace house in Paddington with my mother in the sewing room upstairs you know so Sewing, 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 and my father down in the basement, who was a fabulous interior designer, and their crazy relationship. You know, that the book really, pages and chapters, just wrote itself because of the the intricacies and the most interesting, you know, aspects of their of, of our whole, you know, and I'm an only child. So it was such an unusual, fabulous upbringing, and, and really their relationship, like. You know, Dad only died a bit over a year ago, and and even after that, I thought, gosh, I know everything, and then came across, sort of stumbled across a bag full of letters and went, boom, mind blown again. More stuff, you know, I sort of was saying a joke when I was doing stand-up comedy, saying, you know, when I was researching the book, I expected to find a few, you know, skeletons in the family closet. I just didn't expect to find my father in there with them. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, like, I'm, and I'm still, like, keep getting my mind blown going, wow, my parents are really interesting. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. They are. Uh, they are. And, and we're going to bring Carlotta in in a second. But I wanted to ask you on your dad, um, how did he take the news of your mum's diagnosis and how did he deal with that before his death? Well, well, you know, my parents were both such fascinating, interesting people. And uh, you know, both really strong in their own way and mum always held her own. And I think, you know, when the Alzheimer's took hold, mum became sort of weaker and more dependent on my father. Um, you know, even she'd sort of start saying a sentence and he'd sort of finish it for her. And and that often happens with Alzheimer's and dementia too. And the problem is, is, you know, the, the balance, it just sort of went out of balance. And so dad became, you know, quite controlling of mum, which, you know, and then when mum got sick, you know, they were just... They were, they were each other's soulmates. So, yeah. you know, how do you go on after that? So really I kind of felt like it was my duty once I thought, you know, mum's okay, she's being looked after and she doesn't really know what's going on by this day. So I just focused all my energy on my father and thinking I just need to help him get through and to sort of get to a point, I don't know, where life is worth living again. You know, how do you do that? to someone as fabulous as my mum and the incredible life that they lived together. So, you know, it wasn't until suddenly, you know, complications happened with my dad and he realised, we both realised that he was going to die and 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 there was this moment, I think, of, of like shock, you know, and realisation with the two of us to sort of go, wow, we got this far. We, we got this far. We, I know it wasn't easy and it was difficult and, and strange, but... We did make a bit of a life, you know, and muddled through for 10 years of, you know, a life after, you know, living without mum. Yeah. yeah. That's a long time. Well, look, 
Jeannie, of course, had a very interesting start to, to television. It all happened on the ratings juggernaut, the Mike Walsh Show. I don't know if people remember how big this show was. Three people had dropped out, so Jeannie was called in at the last minute, and the rest, they say, is history. She went from dressmaker to national TV star. Everyone loved Jeannie, and it was only two years later that she won the Gold Logie. Have a look at this. Pardon me. I think I've got uh, feather balls in my throat, I mean. I just think Mark Walsh, who we all adore. Oh, Katie, what, what a joy. What a joy she was. Um, you know the story of that too? Because it's so funny. Um, and it is like a true-life Cinderella story that literally a guest you know, dropped out of the Mike Walsh show at the last minute. And so the people behind, you know, just went through the newspapers and saw a photo of mum in a maternity dress she'd made for herself, trying to look a bit <laughs> hip and cool and not boring, with marching elephants going over the stomach and went, she looks fun, stick her in a taxi and bring her in. And so mum had never been on television before and she was just, a, you know, a humble kind of bit of a cracker, crazy dressmaker. And they sort of dragged her in, threw her onto the television pregnant with me, like nine months pregnant with me, and mum sort of had never watched daytime television said, oh, gee, Mike Walsh is very camp, isn't he? Not knowing that he was away at the moment and it was actually John Michael Housen who was killing were playing a practical joke on him by sending on a drag queen with a pillow stuffed up her dress. <laughs> so he kept saying the whole time, well, you come back and see when you've had the baby then, won't you? And mum kept saying, all right, I will. And so that's really what they say, you know, that's just the most incredible. Like, that's, that's just amazing. It's the most incredible real-life Cinderella story. <laughs> Katie, uh, what an amazing story. I can't believe I mean, I can believe that she was like a duck to water with television. But look, she once said that um, her life was one of the most exciting that it could have ever been. But then I just want to know through the lens for you, what was it like for you having, having Jeannie as your mum? Oh, I think that's chapter three in my book. That's the story. That was the question I always used to get asked. What's it like having Jeannie Little as your mother? And I'd say, you know, well, you get woken up at 7.30 in the morning yeah, every sorry, morning yeah, for sorry, school sorry. by Jeannie Little and see how you like it because she was like that <laughs> all the time. So, you know, she was fabulous, like nonstop. I think lots of people assumed that she was, you know, it was a put-on performance like Norman Gunston, like a character, but it wasn't. It was mum all the time, just like that. <laughs> I, I've got to say, I often thought it was a character. Carlotta, she was a much-loved friend of yours, wasn't she? Yeah, look, I've known Jeannie for years. I mean, I met Jeannie before Katie was born. And, um, you know, you know what, what, what it is with, that, uh, with her is she was Australia's Lucille Ball. Yes. You know, she, she was just... You know, when you think of it, she was to Australia like Lucille Ball was to America. She was unique. She was different. Um, I, look, I, I have, I've always only had admiration for her. I had so many laughs with her when I worked with her. And she was so good to me when I first joined Beauty and the Beast and I had to take over from Rose Hancock. And Jeannie just took me under her wing, you know, because I was very nervous about doing television. And um, she was... Look, she she's such... She's just an icon, and you know, and I, I miss her very much. But I've got to take my hat off to Katie. She's just 
what a wonderful daughter and what a wonderful... Mm. I wish I'd have had that relationship. You know the stories of my mother and, and um, my stepmother. I just wish I'd have had that relationship because that it was just... It, it's like dreams come true when you have a relationship like that with your parents. That's I so just think it's wonderful. Mother. She's been such a... I, I admire her so much. So Katie, I'm talking about. So sweet, so sweet. No, but it's true, Katie. You know, you've been through tough times, darling, and you, you've stuck by her. You looked after your mum and dad. It's sad that it all happened together. And what I wanted to ask you about the costumes were, I hope they're going to go into a museum if you've got some of her costumes left. They should go into a museum. She should be cherished. Wouldn't that um, be fabulous? And I'd love to do, like, an exhibition or something of Mum's costumes. Yes, you should. You should. It's because she was unique. I've never known anyone. I've been with functions with Jesus. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to wear. And then all of a sudden she gets on that little banana and off she goes, and she comes out with the best honour to God. She could make a dress out of, well, she did, out of toilet paper roll. It is insane, isn't it? I don't think everybody, you know, knew either that Mum, you know, designed all her own stuff and made everything. All, like, she was everything. Those crazy hats. Those crazy hats. I, I remember one Logie's. She came, arrived, and she had bloody... Seagulls all over her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked, we just looked forward to, and I remember a Beauty and the Beast time when we were doing Beauty and the Beast, we did a thing on Mardi Gras. And she arrived and she said, I heard her in the dressing room. And she's saying, oh, I hope Carlotta doesn't get upset with what I'm wearing. <laughs> and when I looked at her, I just, Pissed myself laughing. She came as half man, half woman. Oh, how fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> was she the I've same? I've got those photos in my album. Look, I tell you, she was just... And she thought she'd upset me because she was half man, half woman. I said, well, oh. you got it right. Carlotta, was she the same <laughs> on air as she was off air? She's exactly... Jeannie never changed. I mean, Jeannie was unique. You know, uh, everyone used to say to me, oh, she puts that on. And I said, no, she doesn't. That is Jeannie. Yes. Jeannie, that is Jeannie. That's why she was so unique. She is Australia's Lucille Ball. Yes, she is. Yeah. Absolutely. The stories that, oh, my God, I could tell you about Beauty and the Beast. I mean, Stan didn't know how to handle her. Well, tell them, Carlotta. <laughs> tell them. That's what you're here for. <laughs> well, Stan, Stan couldn't handle it. He said he was frightened what she was going to come out with. But yes. she came out with some classics. And, you know, it was just, you know... Jeannie was just television. She should have had her own shows. You know, that's what I really respect about Mum, particularly the last few years where politics, you know, world politics and everything has become so divided. And I think that's really, you know, I, I've taken a lot of inspiration from that. But I think I'm not going to be afraid to say something, not in a hurtful, awful way, but Mum used to at least start a conversation. And so I did a whole blog post on it, you know, to do with so, with, um, with stand-up comedy, like... You know, the, the more the more terrifying thing, you know, to do with the George Floyd Me Too movement isn't racism. It's not talking about racism. It's about, you know, going off in two separate directions and not not bridging any communication at all. And you kind yeah. of think, we've all just got to get over ourselves and just kind of think, you know, we need to talk about some of these serious issues without it, 
you know, just blowing up into some kind of crazy thing where nobody's getting on with each other. So Mum was really fabulous at that, communicating oh, with people. Oh, look, look, darling, you know what? There's a story I want to tell you, which I don't, because I'm one of those people I, I've never spoken out of school too often. But Jeannie came along to my This Is Your Life. And uh, she uh, she came up to me after with I had the after party, and she said to me, "Carlotta," she said, "Isn't that uh, uh, that Abe Saffron?" And I said, "Yes, love." <laughs> she said, "Ah," she said, "You got everyone and gangsters." <laughs> I just wet myself laughing because oh, that's the it. way she was. That's the oh, way she was. She had such a dry humour and I yes. loved it. Yes. Carlotta, I just love the fact your genie little impersonation is the same as my impersonation of you. Dal, what you doing? I'm sorry, honey. Rob, do me a favour. Do not do impersonations. <laughs> oh, no, it sounds like that Tasmanian girl. What's her name? Reggie. Reggie Bird. Reggie. No, you sound like Reggie all the time. Yes. They're the same impersonation. There is no difference between my impersonation of Reggie and you. And now Jeannie Little no, I can no, do, apparently. No, 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 but I'll get over it. <laughs> Well, talking See what about I horses, have to put Katie. up with, Katie? <laughs> Actually, I was thinking while you were telling that story too, lovely, uh, there was one incident that popped in my head. Lovely Channel 9 said, come in one day and, and watch the show being filmed just as a thank you for me doing something. I went, oh, that's really sweet. And it was actually lovely because I got to take my family along to watch their, I don't even know what their, is it the Today Show? I'm, I'm not up to date with everything. And <laughs> yes, it's So the I dragged them all on because I used to go there as a little girl at the Willoughby studio. So it was yes. quite fun for me to take along my kids and my husband, not being on it and just able to sit. And they gave us a little special couch. And I thought, gee, this is sweet. Anyway, little Hunter, who's sort of eight years old, was sitting beside me and sort of pointed across the room and was looking terrified and I sort of said what's the matter and he said oh is that Donald Trump because there was this man in very very bright orange foundation and it was Richard Wilkins (laughs) (laughs) we had to sit there going (laughs) 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 so it runs in the family <laughs> well, and I tell you, I tell you another thing about her, Katie. What a lot of people don't know, she was a fabulous cook. Yes, she was. Oh my God! You know, she used to give me recipes, and I remember I, I sent a picture of it. We uh, eyed her, and we were yeah, we've got it here, we went to lunch one afternoon, and uh, she did this salmon. I can't begin to tell you, and, and it was done with uh, with cheese and cream. Uh, unbelievable! There's a photo of it. Oh. there's a photo of it in that photo I sent Rob. Uh, yeah, we've got it up. I I couldn't believe what a great cook she was. Did you ever get to eat the thousand layer cake? Was it thousand yes, layer cake? Love. Thousand yes, cake? love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gastronomic delight. Yeah, heart attack material. Unbelievable cook, and a lot of people didn't know that about her. Yeah. Actually, Mum and Dad used to put on the most incredible dinner parties, you know, and they'd prepare to do it yeah, for sort of right. several days coming. You know, Dad, being the interior decorator, would have sort of the table spread out, you know, like this incredible sort of um, Botticelli sort of painting or something, you know, with flowers and this and ornate sort of silverware and plates and, you know, incense and candles and music. And then in the kitchen, you know, ramping up, it would be like sort of, you know, a French galley style with sort of saying, Jean, Jean, I haven't finished. 
Give me that. What have you done? Give me that. And mum saying, you know, putting stuff in the pot, trying to get ahead of the washing up, sort of, you know, washing up, washing up. And dad would be going, what have you done? I haven't finished with that. And dad, you know, mum would be saying, oh, all right. You know, I'm just trying to finish it. Get out and all this stuff. So it was just, these are the memories I have of my childhood. It was crazy. And, and me being a child too, this is so funny as well. You know, being born in 74, so, you know, that sort of late 70s, early 80s. You know, if they were cooking something fabulous that required poppadoms, I'd be there in flannelette pyjamas, you know, frying the poppadoms in hot oil. So it's a miracle that I didn't die several times over. Listen, I want to know, Katie, who eventually cleaned up that sewing room of hers? Oh. Oh, my God. That was oh. like a tornado, it is. Yeah, and that's sort of like I just sort of feel like the last. But stuff I loved was... it. I loved it because I, you know, I'd be go, I'd go out with her occasionally, you know, a function or something or anything, and all of a sudden she'd see something in the co- uh, uh, on the table that was left over. Yeah. And I said, "What are you putting that in your bag for?" I can use it. That'll make a brilliant hat. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, anyone, and anyone who's read my book too, there's a whole chapter dedicated to our cleaning lady, Mrs. Cairo, who only yes. for a couple of months. And so if you even mention that name to anyone, they'll fall over laughing and go, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so they've got we, to, we obviously... they've got to, I don't know who, oh, you could play her actually. They've got to make a movie of it next. Yeah. Sorry for swearing, honestly, but I kind of think, gosh, I just have to get on and do it now. There's no more time to waste. Well, we better enrol you into acting school. (laughs) A fabulous kind of Hollywood-style movie. I'm like, I've been re-watching all the fantastic old John Waters movies going, no, actually, I want it to be ultra-low budget. Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Robbo. Obviously, a big part of it will be uh, the voice. Now, the the voice of Jingle Little is obviously legendary. uh, And as we've said, she appeared so many times on the Mike Walsh show. And for some reason, they decided to bring Jeannie in to explain some really expensive software that Channel 9 had just bought. And it was hilarious. Have a look at this. (laughs) And, and truly and honestly, darling, I do know all about it. Okay. First of all, darling, Telepol is, is a computer. If anyone saw 2001, you know what I'm talking about. And, darling, for the people who didn't see it, yes. all you do, darling, is you ask the question and you want, want to sort of give your opinion on it. So you just dial, dial the, the, this number and everything. Someone's holding up all the instructions to me, but I'd rather tell them, darling. <laughs> you just dial, dial this number and a voice says... Now, darling... Oh, it doesn't say, darling. It says... It says just say yes if you mean yes after a space of time and everything like that. And then if you say, say, um, no, and, and no, 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 don't. And then it says, if you're basically no, after, after I say no, say no. But darling, if people phone up and the voice says, are you voting yes? And you say, no, I'm not. <laughs> you will have voted yes. <laughs> we'll ask a member of the audience to just recap on what Jeannie said. The lady, fall from the end there on the floral dress. <laughs> Madam, I saw you paying enormous attention. Just explain it to us, as you understand it. If she says no, say no. If you say no, she's feeling no, it means yes. If you say no, it means yes. It's bad, isn't it? What if you wanted to vote yes, how would you vote? I'd say no. 
<laughs> and, and look, I'm she... not seeing all the old footage of the, you know, of Mum and Mike, and then all the fabulous sort of live audience too. And I couldn't hear the audio in that clip. And I think that's the only time I've ever seen my mother on mute. So that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't routed our audio properly. Sorry, Katie. But she that's was right. very cheeky. I've got another clip, and these are all courtesy of the National Film and Sound Archive, which your mum made such an impact. Oh, They've got a whole page dedicated to her. Yeah. Let's have. Let's have a look at this next clip. The tower is spectacular, isn't it? Darling, this is the biggest erection in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. that, that, might, that might sound like um, uh, something that you wouldn't even blink at today, but back then, that was a very rude Outrageous. joke. Outrageous! Yeah, yeah. I still think of that every time I see Centrepoint Tower, too, like that line pops in my head. <laughs> probably not called Sense Point anymore. It's probably been sold off to the highest bidder, but I still think of it as Sense Point. I think we, I think people of our generation all do. You know, like I think it's AMP Tower or something now, but it'll always be Centre Point Tower to me. Me too. <laughs> and Katie, we have also managed to dig up this little gem, which is amazing. <laughs> Does Katie talk as well, or are you the only? Oh, one do you talk? <laughs> Mummy talks a lot, doesn't she, Katie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, she hasn't had time to learn, darling. <laughs> no. Say darling for me. Hello, darling. Come on. Oh. Right, come on, let's start. Mama says no play. This is a work day. <laughs> if you will help me climb up the tall tree, shake the Papaya like down. Oh, yes, the hips have to go all the time. Well, I think it's going to be a chart buster. I think it's going to be a sensational. That's now start the other one. Oh, no, don't. No, well, look, a very nice meeting you, Katie. And Mum, And those hips have never stopped jiggling, have they, Katie? <laughs> and a you know, Katie? nipple. Oh, Yes. Oh. <laughs> Katie, was there ever... Uh, was there ever an expectation that you were going to follow in your mum's footsteps? Like, yeah, was there a lot of pressure? Yes, all the time. I've just been waiting in the wings a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, Carlotta, I've got to ask, is there one last thing you want to say to Katie? We have, uh, this has been a fas fabulous interview and I've just loved this, but Carlotta, I'll give you the final word. Katie, love you, darling. I tell you what, as soon as they, this girl up here opens the borders, yeah. you and I are going out for a drink, darling. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Same here. Adore. I, I love you, sweetheart. You've done a marvellous job. She'd be so proud of you. Oh, cheers, darling. I, I couldn't agree with that. And, uh, Katie, I almost called you Jeannie again. Um, you can that's cool. <laughs> I ask you anything. You know what? Uh... We'll have to get you on the Ben Robin Robbo show just to be our fourth panelist and get your views on all the hot topics of the day because um, you fun. are you are a star in your own right and you I do have a lot to live up to, with you, Mum. Sorry. I love being controversial. <laughs> Great. Well, that's what we are here, so you're more than welcome. Hey, look, uh, if you want to relive or discover the brilliance that is Jeannie Little, head to the National Film and Sound Archive, search her name, and there are heaps of brilliant clips from her career. Carlotta, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, darling, and I think that's a brilliant idea, her joining your show. Yes, I have I them occasionally. Um, Katie, seriously, <laughs> love your work. Thank you very much for being on the Ren Robin Robbo show today. Absolutely.
absolute pleasure. Gee, it's been a delight. Thank you. <laughs> that, I loved that interview. They were so much fun. Uh, it's time to open the TV Black Vault. Ben, oh, hang, on. hang on. What? The door's open. I missed Sorry, the sound effects, Mulk. Yeah, yep. Just indulge me. It's Mulk, not as bad as the other one. Exactly right. I liked it. Can we have it again, please? No. Just, just, no. I'll talk over no. it. All righty. It's still <laughs> so much better, Mulk. It's still so much better than what it was. It's not like that one. Dexter from Perfect Match last week. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got, Ben? Ben, what on a compatibility score of 81%. <laughs> Last week, the one that was voted was number one, and number one was one popular show is now taking an unexpected turn, leading to some very different casting next season. The show has swiftly changed focus after one contestant proved viewers don't want nice. Oh, yeah, what was that? That is SOS, and it was for us. Uh, and it is believed that SAS will be looking for more villainous people for the next ah. season of SAS, knowing that you know there was some uh, there was some gold behind the fact that Faraz was an asshole. He certainly the- made news. But Ben, I love that you called it SOS. Were they sending out an SOS because they needed more characters, or more nasty characters? Did I, did I call it SOS at the beginning? Yeah, you, you rectified oh. yourself. But that's our one from last week. What have you got this week? Number one. Windmills have always scared me, but now I'm genuinely terrified. So one reality TV contestant was cleaned up so badly that we may never see the footage. Which 2021 show has done for windmills what Alfred Hitchcock did for birds? (laughs) I think it's pretty obvious what show you're talking about, but that's that's there some gold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number two. Three reality TV shows will feature celebrities in the first half of next year, but what the producers don't know is one famous face is set to do them all. <gasps> no! Amazing. Hang on, they, they don't allow that, so this celebrity mustn't have told them they're doing the other shows. Oh, you're right, McKnight. <laughs> and you're not always right. Well, I'm not all... <laughs> I, can't I can't say I'm always right with McKnight because I no, didn't apology at the beginning. I, I is that Sarah Bonahan? Celebrity sperm count. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's not here. Let's start the rumor. She's yeah, not here because she's, she's filming Apprentice. Trip. Yeah, she's, she's on, on her way to the jungle. Yeah, exactly. Um, number three, one celebrity is getting the unwanted nickname White Lady after they notoriously turn up when a famous person dies. <laughs> what? Oh my God, I'd love to. Who is that? I don't want to even go there because <laughs> this person's so upset. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about, White Lady Funerals. And so this... Uh, oh, I got the reference. Yeah, oh, yeah, you got it? Did you get it as well, Mark? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Are I've we all been good? to my share of funerals, all... mate. I work for a church. And that is the end of uh, TV Black Vault. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you very much for joining us in this slightly extended edition of TV Black Vault, but uh, TV Black Box, I should say. But that genie little uh, tribute, I loved. I'm just so happy with that. Anyway, thank you very much, Mulk. Thank you very much, Ben. And thank you very much, Aaron. We will see you next week. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest news in the TV industry and sometimes some exclusives as well. I say sometimes, lots of times. Also, we'll see you next. And sometimes an apology. We'll see you next week on the TV Black Box. Goodbye, everybody. So you don't get the whole full house of five million. Unbelievable. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.